Welcome to Success Strategies for Dental Practice Owners, the podcast for dentists who are ready to take their practice to new heights. Join your host, Stan Kinder, who has worked with the profession over four decades and now represents practice owners interested in exploring a relationship with a DSO. On the show, he explores ways to grow your income and increase the value of your practice. Expect thoughtful conversations with influential guests who are pioneers in the dental industry. From insightful dental consultants to brilliant marketing experts, from accomplished dental practice owners to innovative dental manufacturers, this podcast will bring you a diverse range of perspectives. Success Strategies for Dental Practice Owners is here to equip you with the tools and information you need to thrive. Your practice's future begins right here. And now, here's your host, Stan Kinder. Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the uh, Success Strategies for Dental Practice Owners. I'd like to introduce my guest today, uh, Kirk Teachout. Uh, Kirk is uh, started off managing his wife's practice, uh, was able to achieve phenomenal results, and as a consequence, has gone on to uh, launch a coaching business, uh, working with uh, other dentists and practice owners. Kirk, my goal in these uh, podcasts are basically to expose the audience to thought leaders, experts that can give them some tips and advice on how they can be more successful in their own environment, however they might define it. Certainly, your background, I think, is obviously well suited to that uh, that agenda. And so, uh, again, I really appreciate your uh joining as a guest on the podcast. With that, a good starting place, I guess, is maybe for you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your background, your journey in dentistry, sort of where you started to the kinds of things you're doing today. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Dan, for having me on. And I hope I can bring value to your listeners. So, but my background is actually in the music industry which is a little different than most people getting into dentistry. But but with that, I was able to learn a ton about marketing. I was able to learn a ton about growing a fan base and doing different things. So that way, four years ago, when my wife was an associate, she was like, hey, the only way I'm going to pay off my student loans is if we buy a practice. So I was like, okay, cool. So And, and she was like, look, will you help me? I'm like, sure, I'll help you. Um, so, uh, I stopped, uh, being on the road and we really pulled back on what I was doing with my businesses. So that way we could focus on her dental practice. And it, we found a rural area that had an office, uh, available with an older doc who was ready to retire, really slowing down. So we got it at a great price for, you know, a, a really essentially a new grad still, even a couple of years out, but then with no business experience in the dental field, we went after it. And uh, six months after we purchased, COVID hit. So we were down for two months and just trying to figure out what we were going to do. And and that was really what set the trajectory for what I've been doing now to be able to figure out, okay, what do we want? How are we going to do it? And what does it look like from there? Sure, sure. Talk a little bit. I, you know, I've read some of the, uh, the things that you guys have achieved and, uh, also listened to another podcast where uh, you and your wife were guests. Oh yeah, a little bit about sort of the tra- the trajectory of the practice. You know where you were when you started, uh, kind of where you are today. 
Sure. Yeah. So we bought the practice for a little over $300,000. Um, he was working four days a week. And uh, honestly, the team didn't even know we were coming. So he quit on a Thursday, said goodbye, didn't tell him. And then we came in on a Monday and they were like, hey, who are you? <laughs> like, hi, yeah. uh, we own the practice. <laughs> so it was a very interesting transition to say the least, but uh, we were able to come in and just show them love and leadership and uh, just just kind of go from there, just doing what he was already doing. Then when COVID hit, we spent tons of time in that downtime to focus on what we wanted, like I said, and where we were going to take the practice and kind of pivot. And we were in contact with our team every single day, just saying, look, we're here for you. If there's anything you need, let us know. And in that, they were able to really see that we were there for them, not just there for us. So when we got back, we we're like, okay, we're going to go back three and a half days a week. Are you guys okay with that? And they're like, sure. Yeah, let's try it. Night and day difference of the work environment, because just cutting out those couple hours at the end of the afternoon um, on a Thursday, and we saw our production go up tremendously. We we're like, what is going on here? And then when my wife went on maternity leave that next year, she came back uh, three days a week. And we were like, okay, they're still there on Thursdays for half a day uh, doing some things and getting uh, patients scheduled for the next week. But we we're like, okay, three days a week, counterintuitive, but let's see what's going on. And we saw a 56% jump in our collections, not our production, but our collections by moving from three and a half to three days a week that next month. So we went from like 65,000 to over a hundred thousand that next month wow. in our collections. And it's counterintuitive. And that's what I, I tell everybody. I'm like, look, it doesn't make sense, but if you journey with me, it does. So the way that we really have been able to do that is due to Parkinson's law, which is that you, you really create the time that's allotted, right? You fill that time. So for instance, the best analogy I have is like, for instance, it's supposed to snow on Monday here. So if we have to cancel all our patients on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're there, we find a way to fit all those people on throughout the week mm-hmm. and just do the exact same thing. So we were like, okay, well, if we can do that, then why can't we do that every week? So it forces you to be more strategic and efficient with your time and you really have a great time in those three days and you have more energy because you have more time off. So in doing that and only working three days a week, we took that a little over $300,000 practice to multiple six or seven figures, sorry, multiple seven figures and just working three days a week. That's phenomenal. That's uh, that's really an incredible result. I also found it extremely interesting in terms of what you described you were able to achieve with the associate that you brought into the practice when your wife yeah. went on maternity leave. Speak to that a, a, a little bit for me, because I think that that's, uh, uh, that's pretty unique. Yeah. So um, that's really when I saw that we had something really cool and unique to really dive into. So uh, like you were saying, we had a, an associate come in uh, temporarily while my wife was on maternity leave. And we were kind of concerned because she'd never done more than $6,000 a day total in her practice. 
but she was renovating. It was kind of a perfect time. She needed some income coming in. She, she couldn't be in her office and we needed her. So we're like, okay, well, you know, something is better than nothing. So we brought her in and every day that she was in, she was doing $15,000 days for those three weeks. And so we were like, oh man, okay, this is due to our systems. So, okay, clearly we have our team trained very well. She was able to more than double her production on a normal day. And she took those back to her office, those systems that we had and catered it to her practice and has been just doing very well. She emailed me after she left and she's like, Hey, can you send me all these things that you're doing? I'm like, sure. Yeah. Why not? You know, let's, let's just keep that relationship alive. And, and I hope you do well. And she is, she is just killing it right now. Um, and I was like, okay, so clearly something cool is happening with the systems that we have. As James Clear says in Atomic Habits, it's you don't rise to your goals, but you fall to your systems. And so I was like, yes, that's so true. Because if you don't have good systems in place, you could be the best clinicians in the world and you will never hit those goals. Yeah. But if you yeah. have really great systems, then you will. You'll do very well. I've been working in a variety of different capacities. And like you, I sort of had, I've had indirect ownership and practices and partnerships with dentists because I'm not a dentist myself. And it's clearly one of the gating things that you see from one practice to the next is how productive the dentist is. Yeah. You know, the fact that you were able to sort of unlock that leap in productivity is a function of the systems you had in place to support the practitioner is, uh, I think, really, really fairly special. Big part of why I wanted to uh, uh, speak with you today. Um, I suspect that those experiences are what sort of led you to move down uh, the path to uh, what you're doing now in terms of coaching and I'll say slash consulting. Talk to me a little bit about that move and then also sort of what are the underlying sort of principles or approaches that you use when you work with practices? Sure. Uh, that's a great question. So, so since I did see that uniqueness and that it did work with somebody else, not just us, I was like, okay, let me get this out because clearly it's duplicatable since we can do it, somebody else can do it and they can, they can do it with their own practice. And I started getting a ton of questions from other doctors like, Hey, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? And then to what you were saying too, on the other podcast, you know, we, we were talking about how we had that explosive growth. And, you know, I was like, okay, so how can I approach this the best way? And I just recently signed another client a few weeks ago. And, and I asked on Fridays, like, what were the wins for the week? And he said the same thing is something that I approach first is scheduling efficiency. So we look, and this is a guy who has three practices is trying to do $10 million a year. And he's like, what you just gave me I had a meeting with all my providers and it's going to be life-changing. We're going to easily be able to blow out our goal uh, for the year. I'm like, yeah, it's all about scheduling efficiency and going through and, and almost playing Tetris with the schedule based off of what your providers can do and then training your team to also run that schedule and schedule that schedule. So those are two things that I really look for first. The, the two things I look for is scheduling efficiency but then also treatment acceptance percentage. 
Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you have a, a, a really efficient schedule if you can't fill it. Right. So trying to make sure that the providers and the doctors can come in and close that treatment, not because we're super aggressive, like we are not aggressive at all, but giving the patient the options, framing questions in a certain way that it's super concise, but it sells the vacation, not the flight, how they're going to feel after they get these issues taken care of, not the dental jargon of the procedures, and then filling that schedule. But I look at that treatment acceptance percentage, and what I mean by that, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, is not case acceptance percentage where you you know, you know, present 10 fillings and they accept one, and that's 100% case acceptance. I'm talking about treatment acceptance percentage where they do all 10 of those, and that's 100%. So we have an 86% treatment acceptance percentage across our whole office. So that means almost nine out of 10 of those fillings that we present, they're doing Mm -hmm. all the way through. And that's based off trust. That's also based off how you frame your questions. So we coach people on that, on how they need to be concise and really build that rapport with the patient. And also having your team kind of build that rapport and trust. So that way you can take a lot of that conversation out of your verbiage. So that way you just confirm and you get them scheduled. But then you got to train your team on the other side, on the actual clinical side, to actually run that schedule efficiently. Because once again, it doesn't matter if it's scheduled efficiently. If your team doesn't know how to run that schedule, it's going to feel like their heads are cut off and they're running around like chickens. So we look at those two primarily things, and that right there is going to increase your production and collections dramatically, and it's not going to feel like a chaotic day. Right, right. That's great. Can you give me an example or two of sort of the kinds of results you've achieved with some of your coaching clients? Sure, sure. Yeah, I know like one in particular, um, they've increased obviously $15,000 a day from 6000 to fifteen. the Dr. Bird who came into our office. But we also had a couple who've increased by 30% a month just in getting that scheduling efficiency. There's been another one who's really just killing it. They've almost doubled their monthly production and collections and going from four to three and a half days a week. But it really comes down to like those limiting beliefs, right? We, we all feel like, oh, if we work more, then we can make more. But that's not true. So that's what I, I'm really trying to, to change the mindset of these clients and, yeah. and doctors and practice owners, like you're saying, to be like, look, you don't have to be there five days a week to do really well. All you have to do is trust the process, have the right systems in place, and just do what you do consistently. And it's really incredible to see these wins from these doctors, like this morning, hearing from one of my my clients, just like that's going to change their practice and they're going to easily blow out their goals. Sure, sure. And, you know, I I always tell people, you know, that next dollar that uh, comes in the door above what you've done historically has proportionally uh, significantly more profit than the previous dollars because all your fixed overhead is paid. So generally the most you have is a a little lab expense or supply expense. And so, you know, 30% increase in revenue uh, could mean, you know, 50, 60, 70% increase in profit. Yeah. It's been my experience. I've been in literally 
hundreds of practices over the years, and it's been my experience that uh, almost invariably those that are the highest performers work with outside advisors, coaches, consultants to achieve those kind of results. Um, and clearly, you know, what you've described is pretty consistent with that, with that experience. Uh, I, yeah. I would think. Yeah. I mean, we, we've had several coaches um, and I, I mean, I have a coach, my coach has a coach, like, yeah, any high performer has a coach. Right. Right. I, I was that, and that was, you kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask you if you, if you, you and your wife work with uh, outside folks in the, uh, in the early going to help yeah. uh, sort of, accelerate the growth yeah because that's you know you don't know what you don't know right? right and most of what we do obviously early on was with a coach um because we didn't even know it was possible right to go down to three days a week but we hired a coach who did go to three days a week and was crushing it we're like okay well that's what we want to do like we want to pay off our student loans super quick we don't want to wait 30 years yeah. and we want to work on our time and build a business around our life and our lifestyle, not build our life around our business. Right. So we found somebody who did that and now we're doing that. And so now we're just trying to, like I said, just trying to accelerate that process. Like you said, uh, sure. You could figure it out in 10 years, but I want to be able to do it in six months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's that's uh, awesome. Uh, I don't know if you, are you familiar with Dan Kennedy at all? Yes. Love Dan Kennedy. Yeah. I've been following him for years. Uh, I think he's one of the most brilliant marketing minds ever. And he is a really strong advocate of designing your business around your lifestyle. Yeah. You know, I think that's important. And so few dentists do that. You know, I, I can't tell you the number of dentists I've known over the years that rarely if ever take vacations because they feel yeah. like they if they leave the practice you know the uh the overhead continues and the revenue stops right and they they kind of become prisoners almost mm -hmm. i'm interested in terms of kind of what you would describe as uh, the most significant or common challenges that you see practice owners confronting in today's world sure um, a lot of it, honestly, is thinking that the grass is always greener. You know, mental health is obviously huge in everybody's, you know, really culture in general. But thinking that you should go to a CE to fix what you're doing to increase production is kind of a misnomer. And because what we do is pretty much just bread and butter dentistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the number one thing I, I get asked like, oh, are you doing a lot of implants, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of big full mouth rehabs and stuff? I'm like, no, our numbers are coming from bread and butter. We may do 20 ortho cases a year, but it's mainly just bread and butter dentistry, crowns, restorative extractions, partials. We don't do dentures, but other than that, like it's just bread and butter. Mm -hmm. We're building it based off of what we want to do, not what you know, we have to do. Right. And so the biggest struggle I, I find is thinking that, oh, if I spend $20,000 on this implant course, I'm going to make an extra $100,000 this next year. Sure. 
but I guarantee you're not maximizing what you already have spent a lot of money on. You know, dental school costs you anywhere from three to $500,000 or more sometimes. Um, you've learned how to do the bread and butter. If you just maximize what you already have learned, you'll be easily be able to repay all that back. It wasn't until this year that my wife is going to start doing implants. It wasn't until last year, three years in, that she started doing full mouth, uh, you know, cosmetic cases and and rehabs. So, you know, we tried to make sure that we were maximizing and optimizing our practice. If if anybody could come in right out of dental school and do exactly that, and so that's what we're teaching. We have a new associate uh, from last year. Uh, we hired her at the end of last year, and and she's just doing bread and butter dentistry, and we're giving her the systems and the coaching to do that to maximize that. And then we'll go to CEs and learn and build upon a great foundation instead of just going out. Because if you're just semi-par at everything, you're not great at anything. Right. Right. I am curious if um, you and your wife have any ambition to own multiple practices. To be honest, no. Okay. I like having a small team. I like the simplicity of it yeah. Uh, because once you start scaling from there, sure. Like I said, I'm coaching a doc who has three practices Mm -hmm. and I see the complexity and we're trying to simplify as much as we can. And there's places to do that, but still I see the complexity of it and I like it. I love the business aspect of it because that's what I'm passionate about in general. But my goal is not to build a massive empire. My goal is to learn, to coach and really be more of an advocate in the industry than to build a massive empire, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, growing large scale isn't for everybody. Right. Because it does. It introduces a, a whole different responsibility, complexity, time demands, all, all of those kinds of things. Yeah. Tell me, you know, you mentioned early on your background in the, in the music business and sort of that through that you developed some marketing acumen. What are the primary approaches that you use to generate uh, new patients? Sure. So I spend zero dollars on advertising and marketing, and that's all based off of a really great referral system. That's super like it doesn't take anything to do it really. So Mm -hmm. anytime somebody comes in, which it's state by state on what you can do. um, So you need to check that. But for us, we give people a $25 credit if they refer somebody and we give the person who came in a $25 credit. So that $50 now has increased that patient, you know, cost or not cost, but that patient, uh, oh my goodness, I can't think of the word. (laughs) (laughs) The, the price of the patient that's going to pay anyway. Um, but uh, that is increased and is more than doubled now with that $50. That is not really dollars coming out of my pocket. It's just dollars coming off the back end. Right. Uh, and it's easy to track. I don't have to worry about gift cards. I don't have to worry about anything like that. We just pop it on the, um, you know, the patient's accounts and they love it. I mean, that's a fluoride or something like they they just they love it. Um, And honestly, that referral system right there 
has gotten us to where we have our raving fans actually call to make sure that their friends are going in so they get that $25 credit. Our patients are doing the work for us. Right. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we do do things like, you know, we're going to be doing a free dental day this year. We're going to be doing a, a cosmetic case for like a teacher or a veteran or something like that this year. Sure, we do things like that, but it's not really to try to get new patients uh, because there's this phenomenon that I'm seeing across the board, really everywhere. Most people don't need new patients. It's pretty crazy. Um, I know we're booked out in hygiene for eight months. It's hard to get people in. I mean, we're still averaging 50 new patients a month, but the only way we're getting those people in is our actual current patients falling off. So it's kind of a weird cycle and we're we're figuring that out right now. But most doctors that I'm talking to right now, they don't really need new patients. They're trying to figure out how to maximize the practice with the current patients that they have. Right. Right. Oops, I'm sorry. Do you have any uh, a particular thoughts about PPO versus fee-for-service? I do. We're moving fee-for-service this year. So exclusively. Yeah, so so we're going to be moving fee-for-service. We're still going to be filing claims for patients. We're not just going to be like, here's a claim form, you know, do it yourself. So we'll still be doing that courtesy for people, but they will pay up front, and then we will send it off, and then they'll cut them a check. Yeah. Um, and we've already found success with that. So last year, we focused on our ideal patient, somebody who's not insurance-driven, because the, at the end of the day, I don't want insurance to dictate whether or not somebody's healthy or not. Yeah. Um, we focus on people who we enjoy seeing in the chair because at the end of the day, our job as dentist is service, but it's a symbiotic relationship. We don't have to serve people. So if people are not going to respect us, if they're not going to um, go with the things that we're advising, that we're seeing, that's going to get them 100% healthy. And I'm not talking about the people who don't do those last two fillings, but I am talking about the people who always deny x-rays. They're always not wanting to be in the chair anyway. We dismiss them or we drop their insurance and it takes care of it. Mm -hmm. So I dropped 12 of the insurances that we were in network with, which got rid of a lot of the problem patients that we, we saw and that we didn't enjoy seeing on the schedule, which led to us not feeling as much burnout because we enjoy seeing the patients that come in. And then this year, now, like I said, we're so far booked out that we're going to start strategically dropping insurances to try to get that number down so we can get people in. And most of the time from those other 12 that we dropped and we explain to the patient, educate them on what's going on and steer them towards our membership plan. Most of them have stayed, even though they're paying out of pocket now. Right, right. That reduces uh, the back office uh, administrative yep. burden of uh, managing the, those insurance relationships and uh, claims activity. Yeah, uh, I mean, I probably spend four to six thousand dollars a month on just managing insurance stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's not surprising. Uh, you mentioned a membership plan. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. So I recommend it for everybody. Um, it's something that is very important, especially if you want to see a better cash flow. So essentially what it is, is, I mean, there are plenty of companies out there. Um, I have my recommendations, but 
Uh, there are plenty of companies out there that can manage this for you, or you can do it in-house if you you know don't want somebody else to to do it. But I do have a company that manages it for us. And essentially what it is is they they have the option. Curiosity, who do you use? So I use Clear. Okay. Um, K-L-E-E-R. They're really great. I've been working with their actual development team for a while now and helping them uh, in beta testing and trying to get better results um, for their doctors and patients alike. But they're they're awesome. Um, and they're a really great company to work with. But they just take a like a certain amount off of the the membership every month or every year. And it's very minimal for them to take care of it. And it looks nice. They give you the marketing material for free. So they're definitely worth looking into. But anyway, so like the way that we do it is we we give them a, a yearly plan or a monthly plan. And the way that we've kind of worked it out, it's almost the exact same or lower than most insurance companies charge them a month. And that takes care of their cleanings, the two cleanings a year. It also takes care of all their x-rays and an emergency visit. So it takes care of that PA and Lamoral um, throughout the year if they come in once. But then they get a percentage off of work that has to happen. Because what most patients don't realize is they think of it as medical insurance when they have dental insurance. But it's completely opposite. Yeah. It's essentially a discount plan. And after that $1,500 or $2,000 they have for a year, they're paying out of pocket. It's yeah. not the same as medical where they hit that deductible and then they don't pay anything. And so that's what we educate our patients on what that insurance is and what it's not. And most of them have stopped paying for their insurance at their work and have moved to our membership plan where they actually get a better deal. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the, uh, early rationale for PPOs were, you know, participate and we'll send you a bunch of patients, fill your chairs with people that you otherwise wouldn't see and you'd have open time in your schedule. Well, that rationale has kind of gone by the wayside because, now everybody and their brother um, participates in a PPO. Yeah. Uh, so when you try and negotiate the allowable fees with a PPO, uh, you know, in the old days, you had a little bit of leverage. Yep. Now with everybody participating, they're saying, yeah, look, we don't care if you drop us. We got 40 other people uh, within five minutes of your office that are participating. So it, it's kind of a... A, uh, a losing proposition, I think, uh, very often. It is. And when you really look at the numbers, um, I know this is the biggest thing for me is, you know, your average marketing advertising budget should not be above roughly five to 7%. But when you're taking insurance and you're adjusting 30 to 40% of your <laughs> amount, if you're paying 30 to 40% for marketing and advertising, that's a losing battle. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I downloaded your uh, kind of seven systems uh, yeah. in preparation for our conversation today. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the, you know, that seven systems approach uh, and sure. how that sort of underpins uh, your coaching business. Yeah. So I, I put that guide together just kind of as an overview of kind of what I tend to look for with with most offices these are the things that a lot of people have problems with and i just kind of address them so yeah like you were saying if you go to the sevenfiguredentist.com i have that free guide that you can just download it no strings attached but yeah so the first one is cutting down on no shows 
that is a big problem for most people. Um, obviously, you know, you can put cancellation fees in place. You can make sure that you send out text message reminders and all sorts of stuff. I know a big thing for us that cut down um, obviously was the $50 deposit that we do for work because it gives them a little um, skin in the game, as it will. And they don't want to cancel just because they want to go fishing now. But like and it also that's that $50 cancellation fee right there. I don't have to chase it anymore. Yeah. So it takes care of that hour of work that we would have done anyway. But a lot of it is making sure that when you send those uh, reminders, those text reminders, that there's a reminder just thanking them for coming in the next day. So that text right there, we started seeing uh, still no-shows and cancellations uh, because people forgot. Our text messages go out two weeks in advance for that appointment. Well, if I didn't get another appointment or another uh, you know, text message, then I would have forgotten again. Yeah. So I have it go two weeks out. And if they confirm it, no matter what, everybody gets another text just thanking them for reserving that appointment the next day. So they remember, oh, yeah, I have that appointment tomorrow. Great. Um, so cutting down on no-shows is a big one. Emergency patients, getting them in and using this specific verbiage. There will be a little bit of a wait, but we're going to get you in and see what we can do to get you healthy. Using that specific verbiage, just making sure you set up the expectation that it will be a little bit of a wait because we're going to be working you in. Not, yeah, we'll get you in. Okay, well, what does that look like? Are you sitting in the reception area for two hours or not? Like, you know, you don't know. And you don't want people to sit there. So we like there's going to be a little bit of a wait. We're going to fit you in where we can and go from there. Getting those emergency patients in is how you can increase your production easily. Um, streamlining appointment scheduling, that scheduling efficiency, like we talked about, really look at your schedule and see what you can do. Don't just have a random maj podge of whatever you want to put based off of what people are coming in out of hygiene or emergency visits. Let it be very clear what your front desk is scheduling and why. So streamlining that and then automating. If there's anything like text messages or reminder calls Get with a company to get that handled because if your front desk is doing that, sometimes it's good, especially if you're fee for service, you have lower amount of patients, you can do that, but we don't currently anyway. So we have a company that sends out those text messages and we found that our patients like texting way more than calling. So it's way better and it also takes a burden off of your front desk. Um, same thing with thank you cards and all sorts of things. You can do that. Investing in team training is another one. So we had our team training uh, yesterday afternoon. We have it once a month. We bring in lunch, we pay lunch, and then we have just a very short 30 to 45 minute meeting every single month going over what went well, what didn't go well, and what does it look like in the next month? What can we work on? So we have a very consistent meeting cadence and then also having a very good morning meeting, making sure that you're going over the day. And what is going on throughout the day? So that way you're prepared. So streamlining those meetings and then nurturing an office culture, making sure that your culture is great, getting rid of any cancer, no matter who they are in your office, you will thank me. I guarantee it. If you let that person go on your team, get rid of people. That's the number one thing I see a lot of is just bad team members 
that are on the team that you're allowing them to do something because the leadership is not where it needs to be. Like I say a lot, and I think you know it comes from extreme ownership with Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. He says there are no bad teams, just bad leaders. So trying yeah. to elevate that leadership so that way you can either have tough conversations and it improves, or you can have a tough conversation and you can get a better team member in the place. So that right there, making sure your office culture is great, which turns into a better patient culture that comes in because they enjoy and are attracted by those people who are coming in. And then finally, step seven is just some quick wins. I give you softball stuff in uh, number seven, uh, just giving you quick wins to where you can easily add an extra $15,000 over the next month. Um, things like anterior PAs. It's amazing what you don't see by just doing bite wings. You can see things like resorption up here in the anterior. You can see caries in between the teeth and all sorts of things. There was a lot that we were missing. And ever since we started doing that, we added a ton of production. But also the main goal is to get the patient healthy. They didn't have big issues now because we found it early on. Um, bone grafting, doing post-op PAs, doing buildups for crowns. And I'm not saying do it for every crown. For all you people who think I'm aggressive, that is not what we do. <laughs> But if it needs it, do it and charge for it. You know, that, that's the thing. It's like everybody, I feel like, feels scared to give the patient an extra $250 bill. But at the end of the day, it's going to last them longer because it's now reinforced. And that's the goal. It's like, how much longevity can I get out of this tooth? Not how can I save the patient so much money on the front end? Like, that's not the goal. The goal is to get a long-term solution. And so we go through that in that seven-step guide, um, a little more in-depth, but but that's that's kind of the gist of what that guide is for. Great, great. I know uh, we've actually run over the, the time a little bit. I uh, apologize for that, but- Hey, you're fine. I, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, potentially, it is, this is uh, all good stuff. Um, I have sort of two final questions. One sure. is- are there any other sort of pearls of wisdom or, or topics that uh, we haven't talked about that you think are would be important for the listeners? And then the last question is, if somebody has an interest in getting a hold of you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Of course, of course. As far as pearls, oh, that's a good one. Man, you've already asked me a ton of really great questions. Those are the first things I look for. But really, I, I know, okay, here we go. A lot of associates um, are looking to purchase a practice and a lot of dental students are looking to purchase right as soon as they get out. And they ask me, what do I need to work on? And I tell them they need to save cash, which is hard in dental school, but they need to save cash and they need to develop their leadership skills. They need to read. They need to get on podcasts, not get on, but, but listen to podcasts. They need to develop that leadership skill so that way when they do buy a practice they're ready or more ready anyway because like i said there are no bad teams just bad leaders so if you can develop that leadership skill in you by listening and implementing with your peers around you currently and really learn on somebody else's dime that's the best time to do it but do that save cash because the banks like to see a good reserve of cash. So that way, when you buy a practice, if you can't pay yourself, you have money to fall back on. 
So they like to see anywhere from thirty to $75,000. I mean, that number moves a little bit. I know I think we had about $30,000 when we bought the practice um, and it was a struggle. So if you can get more than that, that would be great. But but save cash uh, because they don't want you just buying it just to buy it because you think it's going to be a cash cow. You have no knowledge of how to run a business. You need that reserve. <laughs> so just in case, increase your leadership skills, save cash. And as far as getting a hold of me, I'm on Instagram like crazy. My fingers are flying. I still manually message every single person that follows me or asks me questions. Um, currently, anyway, I, I'd love to start a conversation. Or they can email me at kirk at fourthquartercoaching.com. That's kirk, I-V, quartercoaching.com. And, you know, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Great, great. Uh, kirk, again, thanks so much. I'm, uh, I'm glad that I found my way to you. I think you've got some uh, some really valuable and unique perspectives as opposed to what you very often hear from a lot of folks that are in the sort of dental coaching consulting uh, arena. So uh, um, again, I appreciate it. And if I have the opportunities to send some folks your way that would benefit from what it is that you do, I certainly will be more than happy to do that. Yeah, yeah. Bring them on. I'd love to help them in any way. Great. Thanks so much. Have a great day and uh, a good year. Yeah, you too. Okay, great. Thank you. This has been Success Strategies for Dental Practice Owners. We hope you gain valuable insights and practical wisdom that will guide you on your journey to success with your practice. To visit Stan Kinder on the web, go to www.everythingdso.com. If you found today's episode helpful, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an opportunity to hear brilliant insights from dental industry insiders. Remember, whether you're planning your next strategic move, seeking ways to enhance your practice's value or dreaming of expanding your dental empire, we're here to guide you on your way to success.